0: And there's life, and the only way that we receive life is to lose our life and to find it in the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus, come live your life in me. Amen? How many of you want him to live his life in you in a big way? Amen. Wherever you go, you're a carrier. Amen? We are, amen, a carrier. He goes with us. That's why he says, I I am with you always. Amen. We know that he's at the right hand of the Father, but we also know that he and the Father have taken up abode through the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. Amen. And and we are his temple. And wherever we go, we're carriers. Amen. And we're carriers of good news that there's a God that loves. And he loves, still loves sinners. Amen. Praise God. Well, I, I want to talk to you today about uh A subject that I think that all of us are involved in and and all of us know. And I think Vicky wanted to take the kids next door. So I'll let the kids that want to go next door uh, for that. Thank you, Jesus. If you want to turn in your Bibles, you can turn with me to James chapter one. In James chapter one. I want to talk to you about enduring temptation. How many of you know about temptation? Huh? How many of you have ever been tempted? We know all. All of us are subject to temptation. Why has God left us here? You know, this, this life, after we come to Christ... It is filled with spiritual warfare. It's a warfare of which way we're going to go. And we know that Jesus has paid for us to have an abundant life. And then we also know that we have an adversary. And that adversary is always wanting to tempt us, a man, to, to go the other way. And uh, it simply says in verse number 12, blessed is the man that endures Temptation. That word endures means that you abide under whatever you're being tempted with. And you bear up courageously and victoriously through that temptation. Thank you, Lord. You know, the song that, that Sheila sang is, is, was a beautiful song. But it's all about a deliverance. And how many of you know God is a a God of deliverance? He didn't leave us here, save us here, uh, and leave us here to make us miserable. He left us here in the world to be victorious over the world. And not only that, to be an instrument of Satan's bruising. Every time that you're tempted and you come through that temptation... You are a bruising to the head of Satan. Amen. He is a defeated foe. He was defeated in the cross. Amen. And you know, we literally bruise his head under our feet, amen, when we endure that temptation. Well, it goes on to say, for when he is tried, when you are tried, when Pastor Dell is tried and How many of you know no one's, no one is is exempt from temptation? No one. He says, He shall receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to them that love Him. And I don't believe that that is just somewhere in the future that you're going to receive when you meet the Lord in rewards, that you're going to have a crown of life. I believe that he, he is literally crowning you with His glory and the life that Jesus paid for us to enter into. Amen. And I, I've asked the Lord to make this very clear, that we could all understand it, even our, our children, that, those that are here today. It should be that simple. And then the next verse, 13, it says, Let no man say... That when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. And then he explains, But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Now, there's not any of us that has been saved that's beyond the old man. And that's why the way of the cross is an important uh, thing for you to understand. It's the way of life. Daily, we must go the way of the cross. Daily, we must pick up our cross, deny ourselves, and deny ourselves, that's not just denying ourselves of things, but denying ourselves of who is going to be God of our life. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. The old man must be put off, and the new man must be put on. Now, I really know that there is a message that is very deceptive, sounds good to the flesh, and people are buying into it by the hundreds of thousands, and people are on TV and promoting this, and that is, it's called hyper-grace. It's a revelation of grace that Martin Luther did not go far enough and get. Uh, He got salvation by faith, but it didn't go into the realms of grace. And grace is being taught that all your sins, past, present, and future, are forgiven. They were forgiven on the cross, and sin is no more an issue with God. And they also go on to say that the Holy Spirit does not convict you of sin any longer once you come to Christ. That sin is no issue. Well I can tell you. Sin is an issue with God. Amen. And if you give in to temptation. It will lead to sin. And he says. When lust hath conceived. It brings forth sin. And sin when it is finished. It brings forth death. Amen. And, and you and I both know. When you give in to temptation, you know there's a break in the spirit and you know there's a recovery That until, until you repent and, and turn to God and get that under the blood. You know, I was reading the book of, of, of this guy the other day. Again, and he, he was saying, we tell people that when you sin, it's a front to God and you've got to get it under the blood. You've got to repent of it. Well, I want to tell you something. Repentance is not an ugly word. It's a beautiful word. It's a word of restoration of fellowship. And when there is a break in that fellowship, you need to be restored in that fellowship. And that's called conviction. It's not condemnation. But you can't sin without knowing it. And thank God for that. Thank, thank you, Lord, that the Holy Spirit still convicts us when we do wrong. Huh? Huh? We can either harden our heart to it and keep going or we can yield to that conviction and say, Lord, I'm so sorry that I've offended you and I I give it up to you. It says it brings sin. Lust brings sin. Well, uh, James is referring to temptation or a trial arising within, it's from within, from uncontrolled appetites and from evil passions. And for me to stand here and tell you that, that once you come to Jesus, that all of that's done away with. No, it's done away within the cross, but you have to die daily to that. And there is always in the temptation a direction that you're going to choose. You're either going to go to the way of the flesh or you're going to go the way of the Spirit. Amen. I'd like to go to the book of Luke, or Mark. I want to go to Mark, and I want to read there in Mark chapter 7 what Jesus said about what I'm talking about. In Mark chapter 7, verse 20, Jesus said this, It is that which comes out of a man that defiles the man, for from within, out of the heart of man, proceeds evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, and murderers. There are thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these things, evil things come from within and defile the man. Now, Thank you, Jesus. I want this to be a message of victory. But we have to understand, and I was reading in Vines, it says, Though such temptation does not proceed from God, yet God does regard His people while they endure it. And by it, He tests and approves them. It's not coming from God, but God's allowing it, and there's a choice to be made. Okay? Thank you, Jesus. You know, we'd all like it to be said that once we're saved, that it's just easy believism. Just believe in everything. But I can tell you, there's a lot of preachers that have fallen to adultery They estimate 40% of pastors that stand in the pulpit today are hooked on pornography. I mean, that's a very real thing. And how many of you know that that's sin? Huh? That's a lustful sin to look on a woman and to lust after her in your heart. And no one looks at pornography, I'm sure, that's hooked on it where there is not that lust. And that is sin, and we know that. Wow. Well, to be effective in resisting temptation is to recognize that every temptation is first a thought. How many of you know that? It's a thought. And it comes to your mind and, and by your, either by your own carnality or by the tempter himself. How many of you understand that there is a tempter, and the word identifies him as Satan. And if you entertain that thought long enough, what happens is you will actually walk it out. You begin, amen, and you will, you will sin. It's called sin. And so we have to deal with that immediately. Thank you, Jesus. In 2 Corinthians 10, 5, in the spiritual warfare that we're in, it instructs us to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Whenever those thoughts come, we take it to the obedience of Christ. Amen. And we take it to the cross. Amen. And we'll get into that. Thank you, Jesus. The question is asked, why do we entertain thoughts that are contrary to God's word and, and, and God's will? And really, to be honest... It's because we want to. Everybody agree? Absolutely. And we know that temptation is the devil's lie. And it's his lie to make us believe that what we think that we want or need, amen, is, is what's going to satisfy us apart from God's will. And, you know, that's a lie. We can't believe it. You know what satisfies Blessed is the man that hungers and thirsts after righteousness. For he, that man, shall be satisfied. That man shall be filled. Amen. How many of we understand that the flesh can never satisfy? The flesh never satisfies. You can never satisfy the flesh. And if you keep feeding the flesh, you just get deeper and deeper and deeper and people that don't know the Lord that go that way they find out that there is a lower base nature that there is animalistic acts that they can commit in the flesh because of of uh, of the flesh being what it is well in Romans 8 6 it says to be carnally minded is death to be carnally minded is death and and Thank you, Jesus. That word carnal means to be governed by your human nature instead of by the Spirit of God. To be carnally minded is death. The carnal mind is not subject to God. It's not subject to the things of God. It's only subject to what the flesh is wanting. And it goes on to say, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Spiritually minded. I want to tell you something. This was probably one of the hardest messages that I have gotten that I can remember. I mean, the devil was fighting me over this, I mean, all the way. You say, well, why would he fight you over this message? Because he doesn't want you to understand where your victory is. He doesn't want you to understand that you don't have to give in to temptation. You don't have to give yourself to Of what your flesh is desiring. There is victory. Amen. But this is where spiritual warfare is waged. And uh, it's in the mind. Either carnally minded or spiritually minded. Which way are we going to go? There's a choice to be made. And in 1 Timothy 6.12 it says to fight the good fight of faith. And to lay hold on eternal life. How many of you know it's a fight? Faith is a fight. But it's a good fight. He said, Fight the good fight. Why? Because faith always wins. Amen. You'll always be victorious. Amen. Faith, we overcome this world. Amen. By faith. Faith in what Jesus has done. In Romans 12, 2, it says this to be not conformed to the world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Amen. So we renew them through the word of God, We renew, renew our minds through the spirit of God. Amen. Praise God. And we find, amen, that we're not going to live like the world lives. How many of you know that the, the world is where we're living, but the world has been put off limits to us? And the church, Paul Harvey said this years ago, he said the church has become so worldly, and, and the world has become so churchy that they can sit in the same pew and you can't tell them apart. Well, I just found out this week that one of our major denominations, and I assume it's true. I believe it could be true. One of our major Pentecostal denominations has consented to social drinking. And maybe they did because so many of their members are social drinkers. How many of you know that social drinking Is very prevalent in the modern church. But I'm going to tell you something. Right in this little congregation this morning, we have men that better not even think of social drinking. It's destructive, it's a demon, it's a bondage. And if you've been delivered from alcohol, you know what I'm talking about. You don't want to play with the devil. I remember the story of a man that 16 floors above the sidewalk, he used to make fun of the street people. And there he was in his plush office. And before it was over with, through alcohol, that man lay in the gutter. He lost everything. Someone said, sin will take you farther than you want to go. It'll leave you longer than you want to stay. And it costs you more than you want to pay. And for the church to uh, say that social drinking is all right, and they said, well, we'll leave it up to the local pastors. You know. I say this, shun the very appearance of evil. The Bible talks about wine when it moves itself right in the cup. Huh? What does alcohol do? It, it, I guess I've, I've never been there, but I, I, it alters your mind. It literally alters the way you think. My wife and I was down in uh, Mexico, and we decided to take a jungle tour out of Acapulco. And we were on this bus tour, and... It wasn't Alcapuga? It was Puerto Vallarta. And we were going up this, this jungle trail. And on this bus, they served alcohol. And she had never been around this. And the further we went, I mean, the, the more tipsy and, and turvy those guys got. And I mean, it was amusing. But before it was up, they were completely out of their mind. Well, the battle is for the mind. Amen? The mind, you could say, is a battlefield. And the devil wants to make you think, oh, man, if I could just have one of those long necks and I just feel it going down my throat. That's a lie from the devil. That's a lie from the devil. How many of you know it's a lie from the devil? Amen. Amen. I got an amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. But as goes the mind, so goes the man. 1 Timothy 6:12 says again fight that good fight of faith amen lay hold on what God has for you thank you Jesus thank you Father well the word of God identifies who our adversary is and he is called the tempter we know that in Matthew chapter 4 it says after Jesus baptism he was led of the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil And when the tempter came, he began to tempt Jesus, and he tempted him in three areas. He tempted him uh, with the the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. He, he He tempted him, amen, to take him away from the will of God. He tempted him to take him away from the word of God, and he tempted him to take him away from the worship of God. He said, if you'll just fall down and worship me, I'll give you all of this. Well, thank you, Jesus. I want us to go to First John chapter two. First John chapter two. John talks about these three ways, and they are summarized in, in his instruction to believers in their relationship to the Lord. How many of you know that the world is off limits to the church. We've been called out of that world out there. We're in the world, but we're not of the world. I've had people say, well, it's only in the heart that he's separated us. And <laughs> people will do stuff and they say, well, it's my heart that's separated. No, I, I believe it gets it has to be the whole man. He said he had sanctify you, Holy Spirit, soul, and body. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Well, in John chapter 2, verse number 15, I want to begin reading there. He says this, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man loves the world, the love for the Father is not in him. What does the world do? It takes the love for the Father away. You can't love the world and love the Father. You young people are getting ready to go into the world. Let this be known that the devil will make a big play for you. But God says, don't love it. Don't love the world. And don't love the things that are in the world. And we'll get into that. For all that is in the world, and he summarizes in three things, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, are not of the Father, but are of the world. Then verse 17 says, the world passes away, and the lust thereof, but he that does the will of God abides forever. Thank you, Lord. Now, you know, as I said, he didn't save us and leave us here to make us miserable. He left us here to be overcomers. He left us here, amen, and He gave us the, the way of victory to live victorious in this present world. Amen. Well, I want to just expound a little bit on these. The lust of the flesh, amen. And that word lust, means it, means it denotes a strong desire of any kind, okay? So the lust of the flesh, and it feeds on the physical appetites and their gratification in this world. And we could go into that. It could be food. You know, you could, you could lust after food. And, and there are people that literally destroy their bodies through food, just through eating. Or it could be any. It could be sex. And, and I can tell you one thing. That's a powerful, powerful appetite. That has to be dealt with, and it has to be uh, dealt with God's way and kept in the confine, confines of marriage. Thank you, Lord. It draws us away from the will of God, and it draws us away to serve our flesh. How I many of you know you can make provision for your flesh? If a man sits before the computer and he, he, he brings up, pornography or a woman brings up. What you're doing is you're making provision for your flesh, and that's sin. Amen. Well, the second thing is the lust of the eyes. And how many of you know that uh, the eyes, uh, in the world, there's a lot being presented? A lot. And it appeals to your self-interest. And, you know, especially in... This country, when if you watch even the news on TV, you'll see that a lot is being promoted in, in things. And, and a lot of times uh, we see things that the world has to offer, and we can have a desire for those things even above our, our relationship with God. It's true. And we can have a lust so strong that we're going to get it regardless of what it's going to cost. Maybe we'll even go into debt to get it. And you know, the deception is that we really need that, and we really need it, and then we can even get really deceived and say, God wants me to have it. I many of you know, that's, that could be a great deception. I believe if God wants you to have it, He'll provide it, and you won't have to, to go into debt and pay, you know, interest and all of that to have it thank you father this is not an easy message then you get to the pride of life thank you jesus and the pride of life is really promoting yourself it's promoting yourself it's self-exaltation and the and the temptation is to take life into your own hands direct your own destiny uh, to rule in your own world, to be your own God, huh? When Sheila said that she was tempted, the devil just said to just give up. Well, you see, that would be her. If she gave up, that would be her taking her life and her destiny into her own hands. That's exactly what the devil wants for all of us. If you've ever been in a trial... I can tell you, the devil will come to you and the devil will say, why don't you just give up? Huh? As a pastor, you know, these are not easy times to pastor in. But the devil can say, who cares? People are just going to do their own thing. They're going to go their own way. You know, that's not where it's at. It's the will of God. If God placed me here, then I have To be subject to the will of God. And I can't take life into my own hands. I remember my wife's sister. She came the first time and she said, I wouldn't live in a place like this. And my wife said, well, I don't have a choice. We don't have a choice. The Lord sent us here. And she said, well, I just tell the Lord I'm leaving. (laughs) Yeah, you'll just tell the Lord you're leaving. Whoa. (laughs) That's serious for all of us. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Well, how many of you know that uh, the same temptation in the garden, the first Adam, the same temptation was through the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. Those three things is what Satan hit them with. And they, he gave in, they gave in. And then the second Adam comes along and those three things, the the lust of the flesh, the, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. And guess what happened? Jesus, hallelujah, overcame the wicked one. Amen. The first Adam failed, but the second Adam, oh, thank you, Jesus. The last Adam, Jesus Christ, he triumphed. Amen. Over Satan. And you know something? He didn't do it for himself. He did it for us. Amen. And this is the victory. And I want this to be our victory. And understand, this is the only victory that we walk in. The only victory. John 16, Jesus said, in the world you shall have tribulation. You're going to have trouble and tribulation and trials. But be of good cheer. He said, I have overcome the world. And what he's saying, I didn't do it for myself. I overcame the world for you. And we're living in a very evil, evil hour. We're living in a very evil time. We're living in a time when people are being tempted at every level. They're being tempted to leave, you know, uh, the the sound doctrine of the gospel. They're leaving the faith and they're going off in different directions. That's, That's the enemy himself alluring people into something that they think is much, much better. No, there's only one way to life, and that's Jesus Christ and him alone. That's the only way that we live. Well... Thank you, Jesus. Romans 8, 37 says this. We are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Where is your victory today? It's through Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. I want to go to 1 Corinthians. Are you still with me there? I want to go to 1 Corinthians, and I want to go to the 10th chapter or the 9th chapter. I want to, I want to begin reading there in the, in the 9th chapter. I want to read there, beginning in verse number 24. And this is the Apostle Paul. How many of you believe that the Apostle Paul was a spiritual man? But how many of you believe he was a man? Huh? How many of you believe that he he had the same spiritual warfare that you and I have? He likened this Christian walk... As not a walk, but a race. And he said this in verse number 24. He says, know ye not that they which run in a race, they run all, but one receives the prize. We're going to run it all the way. We're going going to go the distance. We're not going to leave off. We're too near the finish line to quit. Amen. We're going all the way. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. So run that you may obtain that prize. Thank you, Lord. It'd be a terrible thing for Pastor Dell to give up this close to the finish. It'd be a terrible thing for any of us to give up this close to the finish. There's a prize. Amen? There's a crown. And he says, he that endures temptation... That man is going to be blessed by God himself. He said, every man that strives for the mastery is temperate in all things. That word temperate means the controlling power of the will. Amen. Under the operation of the Spirit of God. How many of you know that the Spirit of God enters in to our victory? Amen. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. He's temperate in all things. Now, they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we... In the spiritual race, an incorruptible crown. We're running this race to win. He said, I therefore so run, not as uncertainly so fight I. Now, he's, he's talking about the spiritual warfare that is involved in this. In your race that you're running, you must fight a good fight of faith. And whenever the tempter comes, whenever there is a trial or a temptation, you're going, to, you're going to endure that. Amen, by the grace of God. He said, so fight I, not as one that beats the air. He said, I know that I am in a spiritual war. I know this is real. I'm not just, you know, fighting and beating the air. It's a real fight, and I'm going to win it. And he says, this is the key. He said, but I keep under subjection my body. See, he had that same temptation in his body, huh? He really did. He said, I keep under subjection, my body under subjection. I bring it into subjection, least by any means. When I have preached the, to others, I myself should become a castaway. Wow. We don't want that. And then he goes into the next chapter. And verse number 10, or verse 1 of chapter 10, he says, Moreover, brethren, I would not that you should be ignorant how that all of our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea. I'm going to read this to you. And all were baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and all did eat the same spiritual meat. Now, think about this. They all passed through the sea. I mean, think about how that would have felt Seeing that sea open up and them walking on dry land. And they see these walls of water on either side. Huh? I mean, that was no little thing. And they get on the other side and they turn around and they see the Egyptians thinking they could do the same thing. And they see the Egyptians being drowned, their horses and their chariots being torn apart by the, the, the sea coming back together. Wow. And you know what they had? They had a, a, a dance. Those Marion and, and the women got the timbrels and they went out and, boy, they had a revival. And they were praising God. You know, the horse and rider, they even sang a song, the horse and rider thrown into the sea. I will sing unto the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. But the same people, listen, many of them, uh, God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now, your walk with God is compared to that life in the wilderness. And he said, these things were for our examples, that to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they lusted. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. You know what? You know what? <laughs> Some of these faith, uh, these grace preachers will tell, tell you, Pastor Dale is, is, is preaching sin management. I'm managing sin in your life. No, this is the word of God. This is the word of God. Listen, for them to say that sin is no issue with God, that's a lie from the devil himself. They need to read there in, in Hebrews chapter 10, the people that sin willfully, what's waiting them, the fire indignation of God, hell itself. You're going to go down that path. You're not going to make it. He said, neither be ye idolaters as some of them were. And it's written, the people sat down to eat and drink and they rose up to play. Could we live to eat and drink and play? Pleasure, huh? How about pleasure? Oh, Brother Dale. The Bible said in the last days, men would be lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. You know what old-time Pentecost preached? That baseball games were a sin. How silly could they get? But I want to tell you something. They had power with God. You read about, you read about the old time Pentecost Smiths, Wigglesworth, and some of those guys. They had power with God. Huh? <laughs> say, oh, how foolish, huh? They also preached that going to movies was a sin. Why, today we support Hollywood really good. Huh? I don't. But I, the church in general, huh? I never will forget when I got got with the Lord as a kid. Man, I was just a kid. And I wasn't, you know, they weren't just preaching against this stuff. I went to this movie with this Catholic friend of mine. And we no sooner got in the movie, and conviction hit me. And man, I said, I got to get out of here. I thought I was going to suffocate. And he says, What? We just got here. I said, I, I got to go. Man, I ran out of that theater. Oh, God, thank you. Oh, my. Help me, Lord. <laughs> Verse 8, neither let us commit fornication as some of them committed and fell in one day 20 and 3,000. 3 and 20,000. Neither let us tempt Christ as some of them tempted and were destroyed of the serpents. Neither murmur ye as some of them murmured and were destroyed of the destroyer. Now all these things happened unto them for examples. They are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. And he's saying, don't be like them. He said, wherefore, let him that thinks that he stands, let him take heed lest he falls. Verse number 13, and this is the one that I want you to hear. There has no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that that you are able. But with the temptation also shall make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. Wow. A way to escape. Well, that means a way out of it. Every temptation that comes to you, there's a way out of it. And it's always, listen to me, it's always the way of the cross. How many of you know that there's victory in the cross? There is victory in the cross of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And I want to close this by going back to Romans chapter 6. Thank you, Father. In Romans chapter 6, I want to read there in verse number 6. It says, Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ being raised from the dead, he dies no more. Death has no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once. But in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. And then verse 11, it says, likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. I'm going to tell you, this is the power of the gospel. This is the power of the cross. When you Turn the battle to the gate. Amen. Jesus Christ himself, there is the victory. He said, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in the lust thereof. He's not talking about willpower. He's talking about his power talking about the Holy Spirit's power. It's talking about that quickening power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. To bring deliverance. Amen. And he works according to the cross. Amen. And you reckon yourself just like you were saved by the Spirit of God. You were raised from death to life. Amen. In the same way, you're delivered by the power of the Holy Spirit. He said, neither yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but yield yourselves unto God. As those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. How many of you know this is the gospel? Amen. That word yield means to present yourselves to God. Present yourself unto God. Amen. Verse number 14 For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. Grace is power. Grace is power. We sang that song this morning, Empower Me. There's a throne called the throne of grace, amen. And Jesus is seated upon that throne as our great high priest, amen. And when we go to that throne of grace in the time of our need, amen, we're empowered with that grace. We are delivered in the power of his grace, amen. And we love you for that, Jesus. Hallelujah. Well, one last scripture, James 4, verse 7 says this. To submit yourselves unto God. Resist the devil. And he will flee from you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Submit yourselves unto God. Thank you, Father. The next time you're tempted, it's a choice. It's like you're on this road and and you come to a why. The temptation, you can either go one way or the other. You can go God's way or the devil's way or the flesh way, the carnal way. Amen. We want to go God's way. We submit it to you, Lord. We submit it to you, Lord. I don't want to live outside of your will. Lord, I'm not happy. There's nothing. There's nothing, amen, that the flesh, amen, can, can bring me in, in going that way, Lord, that can satisfy me. It's only you. Blessed is the man that endures temptation, for when he is tempted, amen, he shall be crowned with life. Hallelujah. By God himself. Stand up with me today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We know that temptation comes in many different forms. In a trial, you can be tempted to give up. Huh? Thank you, Jesus. Hold on. Sheila said, claw, climb, do whatever you got to do.